prospect second baseman are up to bat on this episode of dingers this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors we're always watching waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go Welcome to Diggers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Vidal Bruyan that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle talent childs. Joined again by Robbie, the baseball man from the murder room. What's happened, Robbie? <laughs> uh, nothing. I'm just seeing if I can find another guy or two to add to this list last second because tonight, Ty, as we know, is second base. And my God, it is thin. Uh, the J2 class is, you know, in the midst of announcing everybody that all the 30 teams have signed. And would you like to take a guess at how many second basemen have, or sorry, uh, registered, I'm going to call registered by the industry of baseball, not fantasy baseball at second base. How many there have been over, I think 250 J2 signings that I have seen. How many do you think are second basemen? Is, I mean, is it really a guess when I can see the list? One is the answer, and it just says infield because they just weren't sure, and that is the 19th guy on our list. Uh, this is a shallow position, and we know why, and if you've been listening to us, if you listen to the big board, you know why, because you first need to fail at shortstop and then move over to second base. Now, that doesn't mean you're not a good player. That simply means you're not the elite defender or you're in a very unique situation where – uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the shortstop, <laughs> so you can't be there. Or Trey Turner is the shortstop, so you can't be there. Yeah, um, and your your aforementioned guy has one of my favorite names in all of baseball. And we'll get into that in a second. But um, before we get any of these names pronounced incorrectly, let's make sure we have an excuse. <laughs> a long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Wow, man, you got it sharp tonight. I am on point with the bottle popping. Jeez. Uh, so I'm Waterloo Dark. No, no shock to anybody here. I uh, cracked it just not thinking before we started recording. And you I know what's funny? To crack another you, one. You've had so many Waterloo Dark. You just introduced I am Waterloo Dark. <laughs> Is that what you I just, said? You've just turned into Waterloo Dark. <laughs> oh, I thought I just said that. I, thought I, said, I am Waterloo you just, Dark. You just read it straight off the teleprompter, people. I am Waterloo Dark. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Go after um, yourself, <laughs> fantasy baseball. Not so. so. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> so I'm still on the Woodford Reserve. We mentioned it in the catcher episode a little back, uh, talking about how our limited resources in Canada for bourbon during the pandemic have limited my choices here on the podcast. So until I am allowed to go down to Kentucky, which I will basically immediately after the pandemic allows me to, to do that again, um, I will be handling several different bottles that will be coming back with me. So 
um, Woodford deserve again. And, you know, it's not a, not a bad choice in my opinion. So let's get into the list, Robbie. You mentioned the infield guy off the top. I mentioned loving his name. Um, I grew up not far from the U S border in Ontario here. So we spent a lot of time going down to Tigers games in Detroit and they had a young Juan Encarnacion and the announcer always had the best way to bring him in. So literally every time I see Encarnacion, I now say Encarnacion, right? And, and it was Juan Encarnacion at the time. Um, I believe he played left field, could be right field. I, I forget, but um, they had to make Tigers games interesting at that time because that was before <laughs> they were good um they they really didn't have a lot it was after lou whitaker and alan trammell had gone away and after the bob hamill days and some other players of the past so anything of note in these international guys i know we have a very limited list here at second base but anybody that you're you're intrigued by honestly the at second base it's not noteworthy uh yamal Incarnacion of Houston is the only guy and Houston spent all their money on an outfielder that we're going to get to in a different episode. So I'm not going to dwell on that at all. And somebody of note in looking to try to find other people, um, somebody within Texas, uh, Keith Ron Moss, who's a 19 year old who signed in 17. Um, that's, I mean, that's about it. And that's a, a Bahaman of guys of note and then if we make our list 20 deep which we're going to do for the sake of fun tonight keith ron would be 21 and then the the 20th guy on the list would be baltimore's ramon urias 26 year old came up last year cup of coffee was pretty good you know he's not uh doesn't have an amazing track record he's not a big big dinger guy he's had a couple years with double dingers but uh batting average and doubles that's going to be your best thing out of him if you're looking in your first year player drafts, he's an off the radar guy, even in a deep league as deep as 30. Uh, I'm in a draft right now where he is available. And one of my buddies is in that league and said, Hey, I'm thinking about getting, you know, this more than likely relief pitcher type guy. And I said, Oh, okay. Um, well look at this guy. Cause I'm not going to be able to roster him uh, just the way I'm constructed constructed. I think this might work better for you. Why don't you have a look at Ramon Urias? And that's kind of where we're at with the guy there is, could be a little bit of a gem for you in Baltimore while they're turning things around, but certainly not long-term. Well, and Dynasty. really quick note, Robbie, it had 19 home runs in 2017 in the Mexican league uh, under 300 or under 400 at bats, 19 home runs. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, right? So like yet to power, have a full season at any level Ty. Correct. So power, power isn't going to be the issue is what I'm getting at. It's whether he can hit major league pitching. That's going to be the question mark around Ramon Urias, in my opinion. And certainly a, a, potential darling but yes. realistically 20th on the list for us Yamil Encarnacion with Houston far away he comes in at 19 uh Yasnel Antuna with Washington the 21 year old I know Ty has some thoughts on him I'm gonna just go up to 15 Ty and then please dive in so we've got Ryan Ogren with Baltimore 23 year old who actually is not in my opinion more likely to do damage it's just that Urias um is going to be there right away and uh ogren just has opportunity because there are other guys further back who are just drafted in 20 then at 16 we've got uh sedane <laughs> sedan uh rafael with boston 20 20 year old j2 guy aaron like not recent uh aaron brocco is 15 with cleveland and cleveland has all the middle infielders 
And we only mentioned two of them on this episode. So that is one of the two. So anything here, Ty, I think you're, yeah, you've got a fan. So just so everybody knows, we have a new stat here on Dingers. We were looking to find something that was both catchy, modern with it, and most importantly, ideal for dynasty players. And that is now XW Traj for us, which is career trajectory. So we have divvied it up based on uh, goodbye, single A, double A, triple A, quad A, and MLB. Now, if you're getting the MLB tag, that means you will get MLB time. And it is up to us to determine how much further that's going to go. But for you building teams, you want to avoid the goodbyes, the single A's, the double A's, and the triple A's for a certain extent may only have prospect value. So you want to have a, a good look at us. And when we're posting these lists up, you want to know what you're looking for. And if you, if you are not in agreement with us, hit us up. You can find Ty at Turney Boss, find the podcast at Dingers Pod, and find myself at Robbie Baseball One on Twitter. We're happy to discuss those things with you. So, Ty, you've got a Washington National that you think is going to do some damage. Do tell. Yeah, this is uh, Yazel Tuna. This is a guy that um, really jumped up my board after I'd done a little homework on, you know, what the Nationals have seen in him over the offseason. A guy that if you if you look around quickly, do a quick Google search, you're going to find immediately that Washington was very impressed with what they saw in the 60-man um, camp last year out of Intuna. This is a guy that uh, does have a little bit of clout to him um, as a guy that was picked up in 2017 out of the Dominican Republic um, really does have some profile to him, um, but battled some injury, right? So a forgotten soldier in an organization that has really only one guy competing for that second base position after you clear uh, Starling Castro, right? So whether Castro is the guy this season or whether Antuna can start to in, interrupt on that, uh, there's no guarantees. I could still see Castro sliding to third once the inevitable realization of Carter Kaboom not playing at the major league level um, kicks in. But this is a guy that I think will slot ahead of Luis Garcia, who we will mention later. But I'm I'm higher on Antuna than I am on Garcia after the homework that I have done. So that's a guy that I like. I have him way up my list. Um, moving quickly this off season, you know, he wasn't a guy that was obvious last year, but based on what he came out of 2020 with, I I'm expecting him to jump up the board here. And I, I did a quick look tie uh, of my 30 team leagues. He's owned 24 team league. He's a free agent, but we have a very thin minors in that. And in a 20 team league where we have, I think it's 15 minors were allowed. So we're 300 minors deep and tuna is out there. So check your leagues. He might be a guy that's a N tuna. And he is out there um, moving yeah. us in. Can we just call him Antuna from now A-N-Tuna, on? Antuna, sure. And, All right. And keep in mind that this was a guy that signed a $3.9 million uh, deal, right? So this is not yeah. a nobody um, in the 2016 class, right? So um, that's that's big money. Very short, flat swing. I, I like those guys. So that's why he's way up for me. Yeah. So we're now into number 14, Nick York with Boston. This was their first round pick. A lot of people were surprised at it project, right? Ty, this is a guy who should not be seen major league time for several years, but you put him on the back burner. If he falls in your drafts, great. You know, pick the guy up 13, Alec, Alex De Jesus with the Dodgers, 18 year old. You got Jemiah Jones with the angels, the 23 year old. He should be coming up 
at some point later this year, we should see him regularly past 2021. If, if that, if his career is going to happen, it's going to have to happen shortly. And David Fletcher is now the sticking point for him. Um, you know, the angels are, are thick in that middle infield. Well, I should say in that infield um, with question marks, we, you know, we've got Fletcher moving. It's just a matter of where to. So Jones has that opportunity. Brady McConnell with Kansas city, much more of a placeholder in theory, but Kansas city has a way of finding at bats for guys that they like, you know, they they gave Dozier a lot of time when he needed it to develop. And now it looks like he'll be their third baseman. Brady McConnell might be somebody who could um, take down Nikki Lopez. You know, maybe it's for the long term, maybe it's in the short term, but I think McConnell's going to get a cup of coffee. Coffee. And at number 10 for us is Tyler Freeman. Uh, looks like Freeman's going to be next guy up in Cleveland possibly this year. But regardless, a, a really smart pickup uh, for anybody who doesn't have him yet because the hype on him started to come up last year. Or sorry, I should say started to come up in 19 and then it was just frozen in 20. So it didn't get to hit that big peak that he might find himself getting to this year. Uh, I haven't looked at another prospect list to see where exactly where he is, but those are the guys there that get us to our top 10. Absolutely. Uh, on this list, like you mentioned, Nick York, this is a guy that surprised everybody when he went as early as he did high school bat going to Boston. Um, obviously the assumption is today as an, an 18 year old, he's on a major league trajectory given the, the where he was picked. I'm going to slide the quad a on him for now. And he needs to prove otherwise for me. Alex DeJesus is in the exact same uh, category. Jemai Jones is a guy that is just a guy, right? For me, this is not a guy of relevance. I think even if he plays at the major league level, he's a quad A guy. Um, he did get a cup of, cup of coffee last year um, in the shortened season. Nothing overly impressive, right? Like the stats were were somewhat limited um, in, in the short handle. There's not going to be a ton of power here, right? So I, I'm just not super excited about Jemai Jones, in my opinion. You might feel differently, Robbie. Are you a little higher on Jemai Jones? I think there's an opportunity for Jones. Um, as I was mentioning with LA, it's it's set in stone at third base, and that's it. You know, David Fletcher is a major league baseball player, but they could move Fletch around a lot. And that's to dynasty owners if he stays leading off and moves around. He's slated as the second baseman. You know, Jared Walsh could be somewhere. Like they still like Fangraphs roster resource still has Pujols in at first base. It's not realistic, but that's because they want Otani to be the DH. And I say they want because they're the ones that make the list. By the time this comes around, um, you know, Rendon right now is in at the four spot there on roster resource. He could easily be moved up one uh, to three, trout back to two, like Jared Walsh hitting. So it's, it's messy on roster resource right now. Sorry, getting off topic with that. But what I was getting at was there's a lot of movement, right? Flank Barreto is kicking around the angels and could be blocking, you know, uh, Luis, what is it? Rangifo, Rangifo, yeah. yeah. And then Taylor Ward as well. Like there's blocks, right? There's, and, and that's a thing to watch for with these guys is you get a guy like Jones who you need to play, right? He's been in the organization for six years now, drafted in 15. He needs to play. It's time. He will be 24 when this season ends, headed into this age 25 season. We need to know who he is. So I kind of think this is the year where he needs to see two, 300 MLB at bats minimum. And this is going to be make or break for me. I think there's room on this team for him to make it because there isn't a lot of, you know, Barreto they didn't pay over the moon for, right? He was part of the uh, Listella deal. So yes, Tommy Listella was helping you out, but Barreto could help them out more. Well, Barreto's actually got to do it. 
We need to see it. Oakland couldn't get yeah. him to do it. He's in the same division. He could have the same issues this year coming up. So I could see Barreto moving out or moving off or to, you know down. Whatever. He's out of options, so he might just be be out if, if they think Jones is the guy. So we'll have well, to see. And that's all assuming that D.D. Gregorius doesn't sign there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, not this episode, Ty. But, yes, it's true. And and Brady McConnell with Kansas City, as, as I did kind of allude to already, the possibility is there. Nicky Lopez is not going to prevent – a better offensive player from taking away his, his at bats. Now, Nikki Lopez then moves to the bench. And when Mondesi sucks, when Mondesi has, you know, 40 games of garbage, he's going to get his time there coming off kind of like a Ryan Goins type guy who for the blue Jay fans out there would say, Oh no, I don't want a guy without offense going out there, which is why you have the opportunity for a guy like McConnell to come up. Now uh, just very quickly looking at the situation in Kansas City, you do have Nicky Lopez batting ninth. That's what he did last year. That's what's going to happen again. Lucius Fox is another possible shortstop who could move over and play a bit of second base if needed. But realistically, if you want to try to pencil somebody in at that position, McConnell might be the best bet in that. So that's going to move us up here. We can we can start going. We've got number nine, Nick Gonzalez with Pittsburgh. Ty, I think it's safe to say we really like Nick Gonzalez, but we need Nick Gonzalez to hit with a wood bat and hit consistently before we can make a true, you know, impact MLB guy for us. It looks like with Pittsburgh, he's one or two for their prospects. Um, so he's going to end up being an MLB or Luis Garcia at eight with Washington. We talked about him before Garcia was the prospect, you know, big hype, big hype in 18. Uh, everybody drew back in 19 and then he came up in 20 and people were like, wait a second. He came up. He's only 20 years old. Yep. He came up. <laughs> deal with it guys he's struggling he's going to get better i think he's going to be an everyday mlb or ty disagrees with me and that's fine we we certainly wouldn't have a good podcast if we agreed on everything justin focus is seventh with texas uh 19 i think he was a 19 draft pick and uh jorge mateo with oakland is in at our number six so ty who do you want to discuss here i'm gonna i'm gonna speak a little bit to mateo when we get there absolutely so nick gonzalez is a guy that i've talked about in previous episodes uh, we talked about with when Mason was on. I'm just not as excited about Nick Gonzalez. I, I've seen some at bats against some elite pitching that I don't, I don't love what I saw. That's not to mean that he can't course correct and prove me wrong. He's certainly on a major league trajectory based on the first round um, draft pick at this point. He's certainly going to have an opportunity to crack the major league roster in Pittsburgh in the next couple of years. Um, I I think this is just a guy that I'm, I'm throwing a little bit of hazard on because he was at New Mexico. And traditionally, as we've seen across other formats, his numbers got pumped a little bit. So I'm, I'm not expecting him to carry these numbers when he gets into the North, Northeastern leagues um, in the minors. I'm, I'm curious to see as he hits that double A level, what happens to his production? I could see him moving quickly through the A levels, um, the low levels um, and into double A is where I I'm, going to be paying a lot of attention to see if he has regression if he has minor regression at double a i'm going to be completely out on nick gonzalez that's where i'll stay there Luis garcia for me i just i'm seeing him as a split platoon guy and and for me buying a 20 year old platoon guy is is bad business um so that's the big reason for me not wanting to get excited about Luis garcia again love to see these guys prove me wrong but there's enough of a sample for garcia and the minors to show that there's definitely um, a lefty concern. Um, Justin Fuskew is a guy that's just not there yet. 
Focus, I think. Focus. Focus, Foscu, for whatever. I don't know. With, with the French in Canada, we get some of these wrong. So who gives talk a to me about or whatever, Randy like... Era Z Arena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But this is a guy that obviously has a pathway in Texas to playing time. So I think there's a real chance that you see him in the next season. Um, and, and I don't see why Texas um, would hold them back uh, because they really aren't close to a rebuild. So it's not as if you're going to wait for the next wave. So if anything, you're going to want to get him started and just see what you have. Right. And, and if you need to go sign somebody to fill that hole when the next wave is there, so be it. But I, I don't see a reason why Texas is going to stop him, but you, you mentioned Mateo. I'll, I'll hand it to you uh, there. Yeah. So first I, I need to correct myself. I said, Oakland, um, I meant San Diego. So that was the reason why I wanted to talk about, not because I got that error, but because he's with the Padres who we know have some depth at second base. And we know that they recently added a very good second bait. Well now second baseman. So, um, but Mateo has been kicking around pro ball since 2012 and coming up. And this will be the first time that we've talked about it on the podcast, but uh, Fangraphs is a great resource to go to, to check for projections. If you're a big projections guy, they've got three of them for you. They've got their own depth charts projection. They've got the steamer projection and they've got the bat. They've also added the bat X. I mean, you know, we've got our own XW trash. So if you're interested in fun, exciting things, there you go. I don't like to build anything I do off of projections. Ty, is that anything that we've never really had the conversation? Is that anything you lean on? I, I just don't reference a projection because I don't see what I can possibly gain. When we had Bogman on, he made a, an awesome point. He's bang on. A guy hits 231 year, you know, hits 270 the next year. What do you think they're going to project him at, right? Well, 250. Okay, because that's the medium, right? Projections seem to go that way. And we also don't know how accurate certain projections are. So Mateo's got interesting projections. And one of the things he needs to do is get the heck out of San Diego. And that has become like blatantly obvious. But from a prospect standpoint, you know, he's got decent Babip. You know, he's been, I think he's, he's a surpassing Babip type guy, always over 300. Typically, we've seen a couple of years at 17, 18, over 350 Babip, even 19 with the Athletics AAA. Uh, Babbitt was over 360. So this is somebody with peripherals that are decent, but he doesn't walk a lot. And the K rate is over 20%. So it's concerning. But when you're talking about a second baseman that could make a difference on a fantasy roster, he's a decent bet to go for 300 type average um, OBP healthy over 300. And then his slugging percentage should consistently be over 500, which means he's an 800 OPS guy. Those are the types of guys you want to go for. Now, yes, this is at like single A, double A and triple A. But sometimes the guys just need a shot. I can absolutely see Mateo being traded somewhere. Now he went to San Diego last year. Um, he could absolutely be dealt out this year because he now is in excess with Hassam Kim being in San Diego. And we also know there is another second base prospect in San Diego that we're going to talk about shortly. So that's my bit on him. It wasn't just to correct that he's no longer with Oakland. It's that he's somebody I would absolutely target right now because I think big things are going to come from him. But today on San Diego, he does not look sexy one darn bit in dynasty. So now's a great time to go and get you some Jorge Mateo. Well, and, and I'm in the complete opposite camp from you, Robbie. Like I, I don't no see way. I know. Right. <laughs> I, I don't see the value that you see in Mateo. Uh, if you, if you look at the stats over the last couple of years in the minor leagues, like he went from 267 average in, in 2017 into 2019 where he hit just 205 
um, across a couple levels. So, you know, he went into the Dominican league and had some success, right? Like there's some 300 average at the Dominican level, but you know, for me, if I, if I'm not seeing the pop to go with that, right. Like in the Dominican league, uh, 616 OPS. Right. So, you know, not enough for me to get super, super excited about. Um, and, and obviously he's a depth fodder right now in San Diego. So unless something gets unlocked in some other organization, like I'd rather be late to the Mateo party uh, than, than early for my fantasy season funeral. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair then, Ty. I just say that like when I'm talking about 300, I'm talking about ceiling for him yep. for average. But, but I agree. Like, you know, we want to see more, like we see, we see the OBP except for 18. So we've got him over 300 in 17, 19, and that's, you know, a double a, and then a triple a where he stabilized a full season at triple a, well, I guess really two full seasons at triple a, um, you know, his, his OBP or sorry, OPS went from 633 to 834. I'm, I'm digging it. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying he might be the Aaron judge type easy. Everybody. I'm not saying he's Aaron judge. I'm saying he moves up a level and he struggles then he sorts himself out. That's a guy I'm willing to bank on. And like I said, not really sexy looking right now. So even more reason to get a guy like that. So let's get through. Okay. So that's enough of that, right? Let's get to the purebreds here. Let's get to the guys who are going to make impacts for sure. Maybe in dynasty, Vidal Bruyon with Tampa Bay, uh, find a more clogged infield. And uh, I guess maybe San Diego. <laughs> so yeah. you got Tampa Bay and San Diego for the most clogged infields. And, and the funny is, part is they just keep trading them to right, yeah. <laughs> now, now they're moving parts around. Uh, but that's the problem with Bruyon. It's not his ability to do his job as a baseball player. It's where is he going to fit into that lineup? And will they make room for him? They have not. Tampa Bay has not done a good job of handing a position to a player. Uh, talk to Joey Wendell. Talk to Mike Brousseau, who, who should certainly have 400 at-bats next year. Talk to Jay Manchoy. Talk to Susugo, or little, little, you know, Willie Adamas, I guess, is the lone dude here. Um, and we all know that there's somebody who's knocking on the door for Adamas' job. And Mike oh, Zanino. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you're right. And him and Kiermeyer. It's like That's the true. only guys you don't want to get regular playing time are the guys that are. So, uh, funny thing, really quick on Kiermeyer that I saw the other day is that Kiermeyer actually has, um, I forget what it was, like, forget it was a combination of war and defensive run saves. Like, the most valuable defender in baseball by like a significant margin, okay. right? Like significant, like not just like a little bit, but like there's Kiermaier and then like a huge, like, and like then, the pile the of crap guy. and yeah. then the rest of the league. Right. So like, this is a guy that provides values and he knows in a similar category, I'm sure defensively, uh, but he just so bad offensively that has to make up for that. And yeah. really, really quickly though, Robbie, you talked about, um, um, uh, projections uh, yes. and we skipped over that a little bit. So I don't look at them at all because, uh, you know, and this sounds more uh, snobby than I mean it to be, but I don't trust the projections of others to be that much better than my own. So first off, I don't want to go look when I'm already looking, right. We're, we're looking on our own. So to go look at steamer or whoever else, like it's, uh, they might have some formula that is there, but I, I don't look at that sort of stuff. Like, it's just not how I do my player evaluation. Like we talk about spring training stuff all the time and what I'm looking for. I look for different indicators. Like, do I c combine that with hard hit rates and other things? Yeah, I do. But I don't look for those things first. Right. So for me to do the same with projections, it's just, it's a waste of my time because it's not how I evaluate opportunity. So let's agree here, Ty, neither you nor I 
or the therefore the dingers projections or the rankings that anybody is listening to right now or looking at when you ask us on Twitter for the list are using any projection system outside of our own. I, I, as Ty said, I do not look at anything projection related because I do not want it to create a falsehood amongst what I do. I look at stats and I look at the way in which players come up, which is why I mentioned Mateo, excuse me, being a judge type, because it's the same way we looked at judge, which now everybody just says, but was something that I was kind of looking at a long time ago before judge broke out, which was, well, he seems to come up and not look good for the rest of the season at the new level and then be fine the next year and then get promoted and then not look so good at the next level. Well, that's the adjustment period. It's something that we talk about with a sophomore slump. Well, judge has an initial or had an initial slump. That might be what Mateo has. That might be what other guys have. I don't want to then go and look at, you know, steamer projections, the bat, the bad X, whatever. Like I let everyone else do that. There's a reason why they exist, right? They serve a purpose within the baseball industry, certainly within the fantasy baseball industry. There are guys who will evaluate players in fantasy based heavily on projections. They see will take advantage of it, yeah. right? Take advantage of what other people are seeing. They're saying, Oh, this guy might be this good. This guy might be that good. Well, if you don't agree, but you've got the guy on the roster, well, maybe, you know, check it out. Right? Like I sent a few messages out. Um, I've got Gavin Lux in a league. I sent a few messages out to a few guys that inquired about him last year when he wasn't doing well and wasn't up with the Dodgers. And, you know, they were sending me crappy offers and I'm like, come on guys, this isn't realistic. Like, let's just not talk right now. So I sent a few messages and said, Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Cause those, pro- those projections on Gavin Lux still aren't looking good, but everybody is now thinking I'm going to buy low. I'm going to buy low. So I'm going, because, you know, I'm going to go talk to the Nick magical owners, Ty. And I'm going to say, Hey, you have yourself some magical. Let's do a magical. Going to plus. or I've already. Been I, I already did. I already <laughs> did. I already did. But the whole reason behind saying this is that I'm I'm going to take the fact that magical's projections suck. Um, we're going to talk about this later. But Kyle Freeland, I did this on Twitter. Kyle Freeland's projections suck. But Kyle Freeland in 13 starts last year had nine quality starts. That's right. That well, counts and, in fantasy. And, and it's exactly why you shouldn't get lost in every number or every projection. And we talk about this all the time. I love having Mason on because Mason brings so much value um, from the analytical side of, of player valuation. But he'll, he's the first one to tell you, like, I don't do these analysis for the purposes of fantasy baseball. And that's where a lot of people in this space get lost is that they spend so much time on how many rotations a baseball has did he get you a strikeout or a win or a quality start? And if not, who gives a shit about how many times the baseball spins? Like th- those are the things that don't matter in fantasy baseball. Can they help you? Yes, they absolutely can help you. But should you live and die by a stat or one single metric? No, you should not because it can be impacted by weather. It could be impacted by where they hit in the lineup. So anyway, we're getting long in the tooth here, but yeah, let's, sorry, get back to, was- let's get back to vital brew jam. Um, (laughs) um, Tampa Bay depth fodder at this point Um, this is a guy that definitely has major league track on him in terms of our XW track Um, I think everybody assumes he's going to be a major leaguer at this point I think he's two or three in the Tampa system at this time Um, but this is a 22 year old with some speed um, you know not necessarily elite power by any means uh, just 19 home runs in his in his five minor league seasons so Still a shot for power to develop career minor league OPS is 794. So there's enough there to at least be intrigued by Vidal Brajan. But at the same time, 
there's so much depth ahead of him. Like there's still, you know, guys that they've moved out of the organization. They brought in Xavier Edwards, uh, or he's coming up. Sorry. Um, you've got guys already in place. You've got the obvious one in Wander Franco. So there's just a ton of competition. Hopefully he rises to that or is part of a trade to a better value spot for him. Fantasy wise. And Brandon Lowe, Brandon Lowe or Lau, is he, Lau. is it Lau? Yeah. Lau. Brandon, Brandon Lau at second base. Uh, Willie Adames at shortstop first base, G-Man Choi and what, you know, the, the combo, if you want with Yandy Diaz, third base, Joey Wendell and Yandy Diaz, Mike Brousseau moving all around the infield. You've got uh Susugo who could still be moving around. Like there are things happening in Tampa Bay to prevent a really good prospect. And as well with Franco from coming up. And I think it's legitimate to look at these things and make good assessments because you don't want a prospect to come up very much like um, Urias did in San Diego, who then was dealt to Milwaukee. And now it's not looking as good for him because he just didn't get like, didn't get, you know, given the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. But, you know, you've got, as Ty touched on, you got Brujan, you've got Xavier Edwards in behind. Now, Edwards, I think we've got as a shortstop, so that's why we're not talking about him here. But there are some other guys as well. You know, um, 19 draft pick, Brett Wisely's in the system as a lefty. And then there's an older prospect, um, Esmond Curio, who came over in a, surprisingly in a San Diego trade. So that's where that's where you end up with him. And then at uh, four, so Ty, just finished off here on Brion. We've got Jazz Chisholm with Miami. Asturi Ruiz, who we won't get too deep into because we do have in the top two guys, we've got Nick Madrigal and then our number one guy, Hassan Kim. Now, Hassan Kim, I'm huge on. I think, you know, immediately comes in and starts in San Diego. We did talk about this in the dynasty rank. So I don't want to, I don't think we need to go in too deep on, on Madrigal or Kim. Um, I made a case for why Madrigal was the number one second baseman in dynasty before Kim signed at second base. So listen to our second base dynasty episode. If you want that information, uh, Hassan Kim, uh, we, we were both, you know, tie, tie a little more. Well, we talked about what the perfect plan for Hassan Kim was prior to him signing, which was that he would have had a deal that included a minor league option so that he could have been developed. And my fear was that Kim would come into a team and struggle and then end up getting benched. Well, San Diego might be the perfect mix of both for him because Cronenworth can now move around as well as, give Kim the option to start against ideal competition. So he might only have 400 out of a possible 600 at bats this year, but they might be more optimum at bats for him. Um, the exact opposite of what you say for um, Tampa Bay prospects, where they're just not going to be able to get the at bats. The perfect at bats might come Kim's way. Uh, Madrigal ninth with Chicago. That is an issue for a lot of people. I just, I'm going to tell you a million times over, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. The more categories in your league, the more valuable he's going to come. If you count walks, he's really valuable. If strikeouts are a negative, oh my gosh, he's more valuable than, than Albies. Albies strikes out so much and walks so little that Madrigal can make up over 100 points of difference, which is four a week for you in fantasy with that. He's not giving you the dingers, I get you, but he's not hurting you with, with uh, Ks. He's helping you with walks and Albies is doing the exact opposite. There are average concerns with Madrigal. Obviously, it's going to come down. He's not a 330-plus hitter, but he doesn't need to be. He can be a 300 hitter. He can do great things. And Asturi Ruiz, I feel terrible for him. He's blocked uh, very much like we talked about with Mateo, but that doesn't mean he's not good. So there you go. Yeah. And then Jazz Chisholm. Does Jazz Chisholm get the ball? 
in uh, Miami to start the year, do you think, Ty? I think, he so. I, I think he's going to be um, – I think he's going to be on the two-base side to start, um, assuming uh, – what's the guy's name? Diaz uh, doesn't come back because yep. he opted out, right? So he missed last season. Uh, Ian Diaz was, was the second-base guy. He, um, he missed and then came back. It was did he come blocky. back? Yeah, yeah, he did. But so, John Birdie's but way, also scheduled in there too, right? Totally. But, so, but so there's some cluster. Changing your trajectory. I, I very much could see Ch- Jazz heading down, but I, I also don't think that Rojas is like the established long-term guy. So like at some point, you know, Rojas might slide into third. He might see Brian Anderson get some more time in right field, right? There's a lot of different things that Miami can do with this group, but I do think what you have with Chisholm that you don't have with the other guys in this group is that I think Chisholm is going to be very much a flat guy. He's going to hit 265, 270 with a little bit of production, nothing too crazy. Whereas these other guys have a lot more peaks and valleys, right? With the exception of Magical, maybe. Um, I, I think Magical has a potential higher ceiling um, in probably about the same floor as Chisholm. But I, th- I do think that Magical has a higher upside. But if you want to get a value guy in this group, I think Chisholm's that guy. Ruiz is, is you banged it like it's perfect. Like Ruiz is buried, but I do, I do think Ruiz is the kind of guy that will benefit from at least one more full season in the minors without the pressure of being on the cusp, because I don't think he's ready, but I do think he has elite talent. I just think he's not ready. So if he was in another system as a guy that's supposed to be a guy, I I think you would have put a little too much pressure on him to, to make that jump. So I could very easily see him being a guy that's a trade piece for either a starter or a bullpen piece at the deadline. Because as we know, San Diego's still loaded like further away in their, their minor league system. They've unloaded a bunch, but they're still deep. So to give up Asturi Ruiz in a position that they don't need the extra depth now that they've signed Kim um, and they have Cronenworth, uh, as you mentioned, I think he's an obvious trade candidate this season. Um, and there's zero reason for them to hold on to them with the depth that they have. So I'm with you on Madrigal. Buy low, buy low, buy low, buy low. Um, could be your last chance. Like he could hit the ground running next season with that power heavy lineup being the guy that's on base all the time. Love it. Um, number one's Kim. Like I, I think the one thing Kim has is, is a direct expectation for playing time. So this is one that I, I don't think a lot of people are going to have one prospect wise at this position, Robbie. I know we're a little higher on it the, the only hesitation i have with kim and, and i said it to you immediately after watching enough film on him i am very concerned about his ability to adapt to a major league fastball up in the zone that is my overarching concern so if i see any indication if i'm a kim owner any indication of his ability to get around on a high fastball i'm out and i mean i'm out fast because you will not get a chance to get value from him if you wait for too long bottom half of the zone, I, I mentioned this to you, Robbie, like you see a lot of splitters in and curveballs and bottom half zone pitches in your, in Asia. So he, he looked clean in those at bats. It's just a very old school, unconventional swing. Um, and, and it can work and it has worked in Asia. So there's nothing to be scared of in terms of like, well, this guy could have been a flash in the pan. I, I'm just concerned about the difference between, um, you know, the Korean league, did he come from Korea or Japan? He's KBO. So he came from the Korean league. Um, 
I'm just concerned about the difference between uh, an upper zone fastball in Korea versus the upper zone fastball at the pro level. Uh, that's it, the major league level. That's that's the big thing that I'm hesitant about. I do think he can handle the rest. Yeah, he certainly will have an adjustment period. And for dynasty owners, I mean, in in every first year player draft right now, he I have been very fortunate to see him no later than one three. Uh, and the one, excuse me, the one that I did see him one three, he went to me. Um, but I'm now seeing him on lists going one two in first year player drafts. It's only building with Kim, which also means if you can get in on him in dynasty and somebody comes along with a better package for you, well, why not? What's one, two, what's one, three worth in your draft this year uh, when you get Kim versus what it could be next year if we see a different type of market, right? Uh, uh, so Hassan Kim today could just have a really high value in dynasty, whereas I would certainly say of the five guys on our list here at second base at the top, you know, Kim Magical, Ruiz, Chisholm, and Bruyon. Kim has by far the highest dynasty value. And I would say Ruyon probably is next on that list with Chisholm and Madrigal behind. And maybe you would say Madrigal third because he's already there. But it just looks like he's going to be lost with the White Sox. And his value has certainly come down, in my opinion, in dynasty. But his value has not. Like his, his asset trade is up if you are an owner. But the ability to, for you to get him for less is there right now. Um, give it a year or two, especially if he moves from the bottom of the lineup to the top, it will all change for Nick yeah. Magical. And I would much rather go through that process uh, as the owner of Nick Magical than as the guy waiting to acquire him later. And it could just be all for now. Now, if I'm wrong, I will eat this. I will eat this all day long. Um, Asturi Ruiz is somebody I'm already not too sure of. I think he's ranked pretty high, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we're making decisions trying to go with talent versus the team in which they're with, right? Mateo looks like he's going to be a bench guy with San Diego. Uh, absolutely go get him, guys. Like, go get him. He's not going to cost you a lot. Uh, even in big leagues, you know, 24, 20-team 20 up leagues, his value will be lower because people are not going to see him as getting playing time. They might see him as a bench guy with San Diego, but when they don't see him as a starter, and if they look and they're like, okay, Tatis is there, it says, it's, you know, it says on fan graphs, he could be an infielder, outfielder. Well, it's because they don't know where they're going to play him. But look at all the guys in those positions. None of them are going to move for Mateo. So go ahead and get him as your 26th guy, right? Get him as your last guy. If you can throw him in your minors, throw him in your minors. It will be worth it to you in the long term. Uh, worst case scenario is you just flip him for somebody that you like with more opportunity later on. And that's why we do the Sunday night live streams. So you can pick those guys up in season. Yep, I agree. And, and for me, Estrella Ruiz is just a guy that's at least a year away like realistically. So like, I, I do think you'll see it come around this season. I, I would expect if we watched the 60 man camp this year, you would have saw some progression against those borderline major league pitchers. So I'm expecting Ruiz to take that step forward on everybody's board. He's still just 21. He's going to be 22 this season. Um, so lots of time for him to figure things out. So I'm, I'm not concerned with Ruiz yet because it's too early to move out on the talent that's there. Um, but I'm with you. Uh, you know, anytime you can get low value on guys, whether it be Nick Yorkie early, I mean, he's or in tuna or, or a N tuna as, as Robbie has loved uh, to throw around a <laughs> N tuna, baby. So uh, if we're walking away from this one, Ty, are we going to, are we good to sum up with like, I'm saying bye Mateo, you're saying bye in tuna. And we'll talk about this in three years. That's right. I think that's fair. I would, I cool. would love to do Antuna versus Mateo in three years. Uh, that's a great one. 
Bank it, baby. So that's a great spot to leave it. Remember that it's Antuna versus Mateo. So you know who to root for. Uh, go Washington. But until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers. This is Dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.